right, what is going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. That is right. Episode number 34. 34 deep on this one, and this time around, we've got a pretty cool story. And someone new to talk to. We are doing another in the bivouac this time around. And today's guest caught my eye on uh, on Instagram. Just checking out, you know, cruising the Chasing Waypoints feed. And this guy's uh, Instagram came across and the, the name kind of caught my attention. Couched Dakar. So... You know, I'm going to reach out to this guy. And I started doing some more research on him and uh, just checking it out. And I've, he's got a pretty cool story. Has been, uh, he's got a really good website, everything organized. I've been seeing his, uh, following his social media and his training and everything that he is doing. And uh, I'm like, all right, this is going to be a fun ride. Interesting fact that I am still we're going to talk about it even though it has uh, not as much to do with rally but former cannonball record holder from New York to LA we're going to be talking to Dave Black today so he's got the link in his inbox and just waiting for him to jump on in on this one but if you guys have been listening so we started off this party uh, episode 32 with uh, Jimmy Lewis talking a little bit about his classes and all that stuff i've now got an email uh with his new class schedule and stuff so looking to set some time aside for that one then we had paul neff right behind him last week oh uh, who am i kidding i'm recording this on the same week so i talked to them a couple days ago <laughs> but the cool part is is uh we got a lot of really cool guests lined up i got my little post-it note here off the side was talking to gnarly dave he's like hey what about this guy and i'm going yeah you're absolutely right so we've got a pretty good crowd coming so i hope you guys are willing tuning in checking out the web website and all that so i think it'll be pretty cool well anyway speaking of which i just saw the alert turn this party down here dave are you there yeah, I'm here. Haha. <laughs> Ooh, look at that. Super clear audio. <laughs> so I was just doing the uh, doing the intro. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic. Very nice. Where are you located? I know you're back east somewhere, but uh, Atlanta, Georgia. Okay. There we go. Very nice. So okay, first question before I even we get into any of the rally stuff. Cannonball record holder. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, that was uh, 2013. Uh Um, You know, I mean, I I was a kid, you know, who grew up, uh, you know, 12 years old, Cannibal Run movie came out. Mm -hmm. And uh, that just, you know, that and Burt Reynolds, the whole thing back in the day with Smokey and the Bandit just, I mean, really resonated with me. Um, And uh, I was telling this friend of mine, I said, you know, I want to kind of host some kind of a new form of the cannonball. And this guy, you know, took me aside and said, you know, I'm actually going to set that record. And uh, I was just like, you got to be kidding, really? And he's like, yeah, he goes, I'm getting a car prepped right now. And I mean, I realized he was really serious. I just said, hey, who's your co-driver? And uh, he was like, well, I already have a guy who's going to do it with me. Well, um, six months later, he calls me up and says, 
hey, you know what? I'm doing the cannonball this weekend. And I said, well, do you need a spotter or someone to help? And he goes, actually, I need a co-driver. So, uh, you know, I ended up writing, uh, you know, co-driving in the uh, record-breaking 2013 record with Ed Bolian and uh, Dan Wong, uh, who was uh, kind of our spotter person in the back of the car. And uh, yeah, we did it in 28 hours and 50 minutes and, and, and broke, broke a record that had been standing for about six years at that time. And, uh, and then our record held until just last year, until uh, uh, a guy named Arnie Toman and Doug Tavid. Uh, they, they handily broke it. And then it, then it just went crazy with COVID. Everyone started running these records because the interstates were completely clear because of COVID. And, and it, the, the, the record now is just, you know, ridiculous and it will be impossible to break. <laughs> Yeah, getting down into the under the twenties. I'm nah. I don't think it could push that far. No, it's getting it's getting in the under twenty. You know, the twenty five hour range now. Um, mm-hmm. but it, it's going to be really hard to ever get there because the back at last May, the uh, I, the year I guess COVID, the first year of COVID, uh, there was the interstates were completely empty and people could just get out there and go as fast as they wanted to. But, uh, anyway, yeah, that's, that's been, uh, that, that's been sort of my weird community since then is this idea of, uh, these long distance, uh, drives and, uh, you know, these rallies and, uh, you know, one of them that I just recently did kind of, let's say I came out of retirement for was a bandit run, which was to go from Atlanta to Texarkana for a six pack of Coors and then back. And, uh, and the co-driver who broke our record, he and I actually did it together in a in a in a in a Porsche 911, and uh, and actually set that record. So nice. it's uh, it's it's uh, it's it's kind of a weird little group that we're a part of, but it's pretty awesome <laughs> at the same time. So it's just random, you know. Let's go grab a six pack, <laughs> <laughs> beer run. Yep, nice. yep. So how? Uh, okay, so how did we go from Cannonball and the uh, Bandit Run to Dakar? Okay, so, I mean, so at, really right after the Cannonball um, record, it, you, you know, I, I went through this period of, wow, you know, that was, this was a childhood dream of mine to, uh, to do this. And it just serendipitously happened that I ended up co-driving, um, you know, with someone who had really prepared and, and gotten themselves ready. And, you know, and the way he described that was that this idea got into his head and he couldn't get rid of it. Well, you know, for... For a number of years after that, um, you know, I, I kind of was in the same state of like, you know, what do I have any more goals? Am I done? I mean, I, I was I'm you know, getting, you know, pushing close to my 50s in these years. And, you know, it just kind of I hit this point where I, um, you know, I mean, between some business failures and a lot of other things just in my personal life just started kind of colliding at the same time, I'd say probably about three years ago. I just hit this kind of rock bottom point and, you know, I was just kind of at this point open to some idea of something that I needed to do. Now, the one hobby I had during this whole time was uh, riding my KLR up in the mountains and, you know, I did the first half of the Transamerica Trail and I, I just love spending hours a day on the motorcycle. So, um, you know, it was it was interesting because I did the first half of the TAT and I thought, you know what? I really dislike this motorcycle I'm on. Uh, the KLR is a cool bike. I mean, it's it, it, it's cool and it's in, in in kind of the kind of the um, oh how how would I how would I put it? It's kind of the your faithful companion pet, you know, like it's, it's, it's always there. It's very loyal. It, it, it's not going to let you down, but it's just not going to do much for you. But I started thinking, you know, what, what's the most 
perfect bike to do the tat. Mm-hmm. And I started looking, um, you know, at, at various permutations of what you could do with a smaller bike. And, you know, but, you know, you'd like to have a nice rally tower, you know, tower with your navigation. Because when I did the tat, I had, I had my GPS up fairly high so that I could kind of zoom in on the road and almost drive to the GPS line uh, while at the same time having kind of an overview map to the side. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to need a rally tower. And, you know, and, and all of a sudden rally bikes started popping up and, mm-hmm. um, and, and I, and, and I was looking at this and going, you know, what are, what are these guys racing in, in, you know, with these bikes, what's going on up there? And I started deep diving into a little bit of, you know, what's rally. And I ended up on a rally forum, uh, on Facebook and, you know, started studying up on, you know, and, and it just sort of intrigued me. I didn't realize that they were doing this without GPS or any type of uh, maps and um, and just got super excited. And then I got turned on to some of uh, Manuel Chasey's uh, Rebel X uh, videos where he's building up these bikes and just think, oh, this would be great. And also Lyndon Poskett, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, I started playing the PS4 <laughs> Dakar game and learning roadbook navigation. Mm-hmm. And it it just captured everything that I seem to love, which is this kind of idea of long distance, uh, you know, long distance racing uh, mixed with navigation and geography and, you know, just kind of the way my brain works seemed to really, this really resonated with it. And, and, and as I'm doing this, this idea kind of got into my head um, about Dakar because it was around Christmas time and things were starting to ramp up. And, you know, I just was like, man, you know, could, you know, do I have enough time in my life to be able to pursue something like that? And it was a really scary thought at that moment because I'm trying to reconcile my age and where I was in life with this idea that there might be some things I can't do anymore. Mm-hmm. And I posted a message to a group on Facebook, a rally riders group. And I just said, Hey, you know, would this be possible for someone like me? And in a, in a way I kind of wanted people to discourage me and, um, you know, everyone started encouraging me. There were some guys who were in their sixties doing it and everything. And, and I'm like, Oh my gosh, okay. <laughs> what am I going to do with this? <laughs> no guys, you're yeah. not helping. <laughs> you're not helping. I, I, I want to be convinced not to do this because it was already kind of one of these things that was starting to take hold. But on, on, on the other hand, I had been kind of asking all along for this thing to kind of, for, to have a goal again. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and I'm like, no, this can't be the goal. This can't be this. And, and, and so, you know, on my website, I say, you know, yes, I can damn it. And it's, it, it was, yes, I can damn it. It's no, it's yes, I can damn it. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> yes, I can. So that's the, that's, that's sort of, it's the inflection on that. That's, uh, uh, I can't get it. I couldn't get it out of my head. And, um, you know, it, and, and the funny thing was, was, uh, you know, at that point, um, it, it, I decided that, you know, um, if I just start to break down everything that I would need to know how to do this, um, it, it, it could, you know, maybe in that process, I would find something that wouldn't work. You know, I had high blood pressure, overweight, you know, it's like all these little things like, well, you know what, each of these things is addressable, really bad knees. Um, and, you know, through this, through that whole process, like, you know what I had, I basically deconstructed everything that needed to be done till the point I had, uh, sort of, let's call it a readiness criteria for Dakar. Uh, and then a set of steps that would lead to that. And then kind of prior to that is sort of a preliminary set of steps, which, you know, involve kind of getting a baseline of where my riding is, where my, uh, you know, what, what are my, uh, you know, skills, what's my health, what's, 
you know, my, my financial resources and kind of all these other little pieces, mental toughness, you know? And so, um, you know, I kind of made a roadmap for this first year to kind of probe into all of that. Um, and I wanted to make sure I did some training that, uh, uh, prevented me from developing some bad habits. Um, you know, I'd been riding an adventure bike for years and, uh, you know, couldn't tell if I was a good rider or not. Um, I like to go really fast, but, uh, you know, it, it, I, I, you know, I did quickly learn that I wasn't, a, you know, as skilled as I thought I was, <laughs> but, um, you know, so that's, that's kind of where the idea was born. And mm-hmm. it, it, it just kind of took, took, took me over at that point. And it's funny because, um, you know, I was listening to your interview with, uh, Jimmy and, uh, <laughs> he mentioned how people kind of come out of the blue with these emails saying that they want to do Dakar and uh confession time. I was one of them. <laughs> I was going to say, as soon as you said that, I'm going, he was one of the emails. <laughs> I'm, I'm one of the emails. Yeah. But the funny thing about it was I was sitting at a friend's house, we were having drinks and I mm-hmm. shared the goal with these, this, this couple. And I said, you know, I want to do this really, really hard race. And, you know, but I really need to put something out there that forces me to kind of take the next steps in this process, start addressing health issues, all these other things. And, uh, so let's see, I need to get better at, you know, desert riding. Where do I find this? And I Googled up, I think desert motorcycle, riding. It came up with Jimmy Lewis. I'm like, I read his bio. I'm like, Oh my God, this guy sounds perfect. So it's like drunk. I wrote this email to him like, Hey Jimmy, I want to do Dakar. And, uh, you know, and of course, you know, of, of everyone else who was trying to really be encouraging, he's the first person who kind of, you know, he, he, he threw some cold water on me, you know, and said, Hey, you know what? Those guys are really skilled. And, you know, and that, 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 that was actually what I needed to hear. Cause I mean, I, you know, I had been a former snow skier, you know, and so I was like, I can go out there today and I could ski all day just fine because I was, I grew up with those skills. I don't have that kind of background in, in, in motorcycling. And so I realized that I really need to come up with sort of a training plan that's going to, um, advance me faster than just someone who recreationally has been riding their entire life. I need to really do this right the first time out. And, uh, and develop the good habits. So, uh, so, so, so once I put Jimmy on the calendar, I'm like, well, I need to prepare for Jimmy. So how do I do that? And I started breaking, you know, again, working backwards again. Okay. Get the knees looked at, get some physical therapy, get into the gym and get, uh, let's say, you know, let's, let's get some early training. And so I actually started with trials. And, um, and so with that, you know, that, that honed in the balance um, and, 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 and bike neutrality better than anything. And so when I showed up to Jimmy, I was actually in, in, in much better shape than I thought I was going to be. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And that, you know, it, you haven't heard it yet, but I did, um, there's another episode coming, uh, for this weekend and the whole trials thing was brought up. So, so how did, how did you get onto the, the trials? Like, where did you discover, okay, maybe I should ride a trials bike or, or, <laughs> Um, you know, I, it's a kind of a good question. I think it might've been actually watching Lyndon Poskett and him talking about his childhood starting out uh, as trials. And I also think I was looking at a lot of the different writers and I saw people like Lyasans, you know, who, uh, you know, top trials writer and, you know, and it just kind of, again, breaking down all of these pieces into the, into the core components, it's okay you know, what's the quickest way to learn balance? And I, and I knew that being on a smaller bike would improve me. And then I kind of thought, well, how about a really small bike? 
you know, and, 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 and it, it didn't disappoint. And so I kind of reached out to the local trials community and, and found a coach who had a bike that I could rent. Um, and you know, did a day with him, uh, Ray Peters. And, uh, he's, uh, I believe he's the team manager for beta's national team and, uh, went out to his house, spent the day with him. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just, he, by three thirty, I was ready just to go into the fetal position exhausted. Uh, <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> <laughs> it was, it was, it was, it was interesting. Cause he said, you're going to ride until you're done. And I'm like, and then there was a point where I was actually doing really well. And then I wasn't. And he said, okay, yep, you're, you're done. You're, you know, you're broken. So, um, you know, that, that, and, and then I did two more days at trials training center. They have a, uh, annual event called the, uh, training days. And, uh, it's, 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 you know, you go to different little stations in the wood with, you know, 15 other people and they'll teach, you know, uh, traction or another place will teach hill climbs. Another place will teach logs. Another place will teach boulders. And, uh, it's fantastic. Two days again, will just absolutely destroy you because it's just so physical. But, um, you know, I did that for those two days and, uh, you know, it, it's trials is great. And it, it's one of these things where I keep wanting to go back to do it. I, I don't really have the kind of funds to be able to buy the bike yet. So, mm-hmm. you know, I need to try to figure out ways to rent. And, you know, so I hosted a day up at trials training center for all the adventure riders so that I could get another day on the bike, um, and using their, using their rentals. So it's, uh, you know, I, I've been kind of trying to do everything I can to just develop skills as fast as possible. Mm-hmm. And this is because you're, I mean, are you, have you picked a date? Like, are you going for 2022? Are you? (laughs) No, no, Uh, no, no. I'm I'm trying to be a little bit more somewhat realistic about this. Uh, And I still think that maybe I might be stretching it um, when I, when um, the more information I get, um, but I'm shooting for 2024, um, which will give me, and, and, and the other thing I've also signed up for was to, to do a six day training with Lyndon in Morocco. Um, and that's unfortunately been canceled because of, uh, COVID it's hard to get into the country. And, uh, Mm -hmm. right about the time that they said that this next session was going to be canceled, it was when the Coda rally popped up. And I kind of was like, you know what, I bet Morocco is going to get canceled. It kind of the writing was on the wall at that point. And I said, you know what, I'm going to sign up for Coda nice. and, uh, and just, and just go ahead and just force my own hand. And, and, and again, these, these, these early initiatives that I've been doing have been just to establish sort of my baseline as to, you know, where I'm at and then what do I need to do next? And I think 2024 is potentially doable because I would like to be able to do Sonora next spring for this mm-hmm coming up spring and then uh the following year um would be the sonora that would be the you know what's called the you know the road to dakar qualifier mm-hmm. that could get me in for 2024 there you go yeah that makes sense yeah and and there's definitely so i've already heard of the uh the road books and uh for the coda rally and and they're that they're actually really good that they're good books so that should be a really good um you know, experience. Cause I mean, I've seen, I've seen your videos already. So you're already writing. Are you writing your own road books right now or what do you? Yeah, I'm trying to, uh, I've got rally navigator. I've been starting 
do, I'm, I'm actually working on a book right now for the North Georgia mountains. Um, I mean, the thing is, is I know these roads like the back of my hand anyway. So I think what I might do is try to, uh, somehow randomize these and, and, and I've been trying to come up with a way to do it. And I, I've done this with just a local route near my house, which is, uh, which I use a mall parking lot to do, uh, masked waypoints. Um, and you know, so, you know, it's like, Hey, I've got a straight, straight line, but it goes through Macy's. I'm not going to be riding through Macy's, um, as much generally as frowned that, upon. <laughs> it's generally frowned upon, but just think how fun that would be. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I, I've, I've been out there and what I'll do is I have a, uh, a GPS tracker that I use when I do my practice laps at my, I have a little, little turn track near my house as well. And, and I'll, um, run lit pro and just, you know, compare lap times and things and work on corners. And, um, and so I just use that tracker and, uh, I'll overlay it with my original, um, route that I did, uh, and, and trying to use the mall parking lot with cap and headings. And it's, 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 it, the thing to me is it's, it's more, it's almost more valuable for me to be doing this more frequently on something that's close and silly, like a mall parking lot than it would be, uh, to, you know, only be able to do it maybe once or twice uh, a month up in the, up, up in, you know, the North Georgia mountains, which I actually, you know, you have these long stretches of roads with not a lot of variability. You can't really, you know, change things up and add different instructions. It's, it's, uh, you know, so, so it's like, I can get a lot more cognitive load going by having quicker instructions in a shorter space mm -hmm. and just keep trying to refine it each time. Yeah. And again, I'm making this up as I go. This is, you know, I, I, I'm trying to take an engineering approach to this and, and do the best I can with something that I know nothing about. And, and true to me, really, the Coda Rally is going to be where everything starts. It's, it's, it's where I'm going to learn what I don't know. Yeah. Well, and that, you know, and, and you, well, you listen to the podcast with Jimmy and it was like one of those for me, it was the same as like you, you just have to do it. And, and exactly like what you're saying, like, the road books, if you make them yourself, you kind of already know where you're going. There's a layer of pressure that's been removed because of that. And once you, somebody else writes it, then you really don't know where you're going. So now there's a whole added you know, layer of like, okay, this note, like, is this note really where I need it to be? Or, you know, am I, am I on the right track? So it adds a whole nother layer, but, but versus doing you know, nothing but just, you know, but out there getting lost or, or you know, coming up with a lot of short in instructions, small road books, beginning road books. I don't think there's anything better than that, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I'd like to figure out a way to, 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 to get a little bit better here in the East Coast. It's just very hard. You don't have open spaces. You don't have, um, you know, kind of these crazy trails through the desert, for example, that have you know, different intersections, uh, you know, every hundred yards or something like that, where you can, uh, where you can actually try to confuse yourself. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, I could, you know, I could definitely see that. Yeah. Out here in SoCal, it's like, all right, well, I'll just go out to the desert, lay down a GPS track, and then I can make a road book in, you know, 45 minutes after that, you know, but, right. But over there, if you don't have that, that area, one, one thing I had thought, and I don't know what your thoughts are, is what about, um, doing like city streets, like getting into into a town and basically make a road book. And yeah, even if you are running circles, but at least the roads are well marked, should be. Right. You know, but you're going by distances at that point. 
Yeah, and, and, and part of the roadbook that I made that involves the mall parking lot has mm-hmm. a lot of uh, interesting um, twists and turns on the roads getting there and coming back home. It, it literally starts in front of my apartment building and ends in my apartment building. <laughs> so it's, it's uh, I, I mean, you know, the, the leasing office watches me come blasting in. I do one of these Jimmy Lewis uh, breaking drills right in front of the office. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's um, you know, th- this is, it's, uh, there's something to be said that even, even, even with me knowing what the roots are, there's something about me wanting to keep looking and validating and verifying that it's working. And there was weirdly one day where GPS in general was kind of off. And even on my phone, I started running my phone, um, rally navigator on my phone and and its numbers were off Mm -hmm. and it's just a weird, I don't know if it was atmospheric phenomena or something, but I, uh, you know, it, 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 you know, it, it was really, really, unsettling to see something that I had run a number of times and had it be almost perfect, have it not be. And so that, that kind of put me into a state of mind of, wow, what's this really going to be like when I'm on someone else's road book? This is this, the way I'm feeling right now is mm-hmm. unsettling. So it, it, it's, it, I'm, I'm so looking forward to to actually getting to do this. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. Well, and that's the, you know, once you start writing it, yeah. You like I remember the first roadbook that I did was, uh, you know, the the typical I picked a line and go, OK, this makes sense. And then, yeah, OK, look, this note shows a hill and OK, yeah, this looks like a hill. This looks like the right way. It must be the right way. And you get to the top and it's like, OK, well, the odometer's a little bit off, but not that far off. So you push a little bit further. And next thing you know, you're like, OK, that was <laughs> that was it for the parts that actually line up. Nothing, line, <laughs> nothing lines up anymore. So you fast forward, you know, I fast forwarded a few notes and I'm looking at it going, OK, I'm supposed to be on some electrical towers here by about this point. And I look over and the electrical towers are two hills over. I'm going, OK, well, Houston, we really have a problem here. <laughs> oh, wow. So I, I mean. Oh, that sounds, that's, I mean, it sounds kind of fun though, right? It, yeah. <laughs> well, until you realize you're on an adventure bike and you got to go back down this hill that you just climbed. And, and something I've learned about adventure bikes with a lot of horsepower is they will climb some hills. No problem. But like anything heavy, the heavier it is, the faster it goes downhill. So, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think I oh, that's awesome. need some trials, <laughs> some trials <laughs> experience for that kind of stuff. So we talked about the bike a little bit, but um, what bike did you end up settling on? Uh, I ended up, I got the Husqvarna 501, FE 501, and mm-hmm. that, you know, was an absolute miracle to be able to find one at this point. Um, it, I, I, once I signed up for the Coda, I the, the, the immediately started doing a search on Cycle Trader, which, you know, usually has new inventory, um, and searched within 500 miles. There was a couple bikes in North Carolina, and I called about one, and they said, well, that's coming in in, you know, August. Uh, the other person I called, they said, oh, that sold this morning. And so I, I just assumed that Woolies, I would have, I would have assumed that Woolies, which is my local, uh, uh, you know, shop here that I, that I, that I work with. Um, they, uh, you know, I go to their website just to get the phone number and I went ahead and searched and sure enough, they had one. It, they had just put it in inventory and had, it had not updated cycle trader yet. And so I was like, oh my gosh, uh, called him up and I said, please hold that bike. I'll be in, in the next hour and, uh, put some money on it. And then, you know, proceeded to try to, you know, come up with the rest of money that I don't have to actually get it in time. And then, you know, and then as soon as I'm doing that transaction, I'm making calls to Moto Minded and, uh, with, with, to Chris and, uh, 
you know, and, and to get, to get a tower. And, and he said, Oh, are you on, I, I just sent out an email this morning to about 20 people who are on the waiting list for our, you know, navigation tower. Um, are, were you on that list? And I said, no, but I need a tower. I and can pretend like, well, to be on that list. <laughs> I, I know. Right. So I, uh, you know, I just said, well, here, take my credit card number and let's, let's go. And so, uh, I got that ordered, uh, very luckily, you know, kind of flew in under, you know, mm-hmm. under the, under the gun on that one. And then, uh, you know, next call was to, uh, Matt with, uh, with Rally Motor Shop um, to get the rest of the the, the components uh, all ordered, and you know, just the credit card was just on fire by the end of the day. So um, that's why you picked the one with the highest uh, cash back. <laughs> so at least it I feels wish, like I you wish get. I was. I wish I was that smart. I did not make that. <laughs> <laughs> just send it. <laughs> Just send it. Yeah. <laughs> that's oh, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. I don't know if that's a Dave's Dave Ramsey would would use that uh, in his you know when it comes to spending. Just send it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all right. Deal with it later. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. So okay. So yeah. So Husky five hundred one. We went with the Moto Minded Tower. Yeah. We talked to Matt about uh, the RMS over at Rally Motor Shop. What did uh, what did you go with the F two R? Uh, uh, yeah, so F, 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 the, yeah, so yeah, so after our roadbook, um, whatever that eight, that latest eight, uh, seven eighty or eight twenty or whatever it is, mm-hmm. um, the uh, and then I went with the uh, RNS uh, trip ma- GPS trip masters nice. um, with with a pair of those. Um, got got a couple extra plates because I think during Coda we're gonna you know there's gonna be the whatever the rally comp you know mm-hmm. is gonna need a mount point and you know ten some antenna mount points and things. So mm-hmm. um, you know got that all built up. The best advice that I had was from a friend of mine who had built up some rally bikes himself and he's you know he said you know build it up yourself you know make sure that you know every single wire every single you know inch of that thing top to bottom and i mean that 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 tower has been a part uh, you know at least a dozen times at this point so uh you know it's really nice to be familiar with it so that if i have to troubleshoot it i'll know what i'm doing oh yeah no absolutely and i mean the tower is absolutely tough like i saw it at sonora rally uh take a couple of hits really good hits and and survived it but that doesn't account for you know the electrical connection that might have gotten bumped or whatever it is so yeah that's that yeah absolutely i know know all of it so nice and then fuel range are you did you add tanks to this thing or what did you do yes yeah i mean and again in in this sort of turn of just good luck and this has been kind of a pattern with this whole effort it's in in it's i don't know if it's just my mindset about this but i've been really feeling very fortunate and grateful to all these sort of things that are happening but the uh right now it's apparently very difficult to get a a large tank Mm -hmm. um and uh and it just happened that my shop had a ims 4.5 gallon tank in stock so and and you know they're like yeah we can't get these right now but we have this one (laughs) do you want it and i'm like uh yes so you know so I was able to take delivery of the bike, you know, very first day with the 4.5 uh, gallon tank on it. And, uh, you know, I basically rode the bike uh, around the parking lot a couple times and uh, took it home, put it in my apartment and uh, started building up the, you know, the rest of it. Nice. All right. So now you've got the rally bike. <laughs> uh it it looks it, it looks and feels like a rally bike and it, i I'm, I'm actually loving it once once i finally got it up into the mountains into its element it, it 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 it's funny because it has you know i felt like i was still on my klr only because the tank size and the tower and everything it just sort of had this presence and and, and just a general heavy feel that 
felt a lot like an adventure bike. And um, the first road that I took it on was one of the gnarlier roads that we have up in uh, up in uh, North Georgia and um, just started out on this thing. And I mean, it night and day difference between that and the KLR. There's, I have some video, you can kind of hear me going, oh my God, this is not my KLR, this is amazing. <laughs> and I mean, just the, the, just you know, to feel like I have traction, it, the, that suspension just holds the ground. Um, you know, the, the, even the TKC 80 tires were, and it was sloppy that day. I, I mean, they were still really holding well. Um, and so I, I think I've got, um, you know, I think once I once I put the final tires on for the rally, it's just going to even be that much better. So I'm um, looking forward to this. I mean, this is it's it's uh, I feel like it's come together at this point. I think it's, uh, you know, I just need to get these new you know new tires on, ride it some and and, and shake those out a little bit. But, um, you know, that, that's a scary thing for me with this race is that it's a. Uh, you know, you get the bike all ready and then you're like, well, you know, hey, I'm going to be in Colorado a week early. Do I do the Alpine loop or, you know, do I just preserve the bike? And I, yeah. I think my, my instinct is to preserve the bike and maybe just go hiking. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Do some, do some other, some other event or something like, or some other kind of activity. And yeah, I'm, I'm with you because you want the tires to be prime. You want everything to be, you know, spotless, mm-hmm. clean and ready. And yeah. I hear you. I, I mean, I, I could live with myself, you know, having to break the first day of the rally. I cannot live with myself if it broke the day before the rally. Yeah. <laughs> Two completely different situations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. The, the story's a little different. Yeah. You know, I did this and did that. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, I'm still, you know, there's still some things that I need to try to get for it. It's, um, you know, that, I, that, that, you know, I need to get a clutch pack. There's just things I want to carry, I think, just in case things go, you know, south. But uh, again, it's been hard to actually get parts. Yeah. Yeah, I've been, uh, you know, the same. I've been looking at at bikes and and exactly what you've experienced. It's it's really crazy. And then not only that, but then you look at. I wish I had used dirt bikes right now to sell because the market is just crazy. You're paying like five hundred dollars less than a brand new bike, maybe a thousand dollars. It's the 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 value of used bikes right now. You know the ones that people want, right? I mean the five hundreds, yeah. the the five hundred ones, the four fifties, things like that. Yeah. Um, my KLR, I sold for what I paid for it, uh, uh, seven years ago. That's so, <laughs> so you basically uh, rode it for free for seven years. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. <laughs> yeah. And this, you know, it's interesting. You were talking about that is that the KLRs really do have, uh, a bit of a, a like I, I call it as a cult following, you know, it, it's crazy. Uh, they, they do. And it's, 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 it was fun being part of the forums. It's got a, it's just kind of the, the bike that everybody loves to, um, I mean, it's, it, you have a love hate relationship with it and, and, and doing the, the Transamerica trail, I, I, I kind of realized that, you know, this thing, it just is like a tractor. It just chugs all day. And, mm-hmm. you know, this engine is a chugga, chugga, chugga. And you're, you're never really, able to, I mean, I, I would try to get on it and things, but it just isn't a bike that exudes a lot of fun where this 501, oh my gosh. I mean, my times just, just casual, what I would consider casual riding through these twisty Appalachian, uh, gravel roads. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I'm 10 miles an hour f- faster on average. And, you know, I don't, I, I was like, I, I think in, I, I was questioning, you know, is this, the bike or is it the, all the training I've had? Cause I've had some pretty amazing training so far between, you know, between Jimmy and I actually went to a class that, um, uh, called corner spin, uh, with a guy named Aaron Stevenson out here that he, he also, he actually worked with, uh, 
a guy named uh, Peter Wolfie uh, uh, Vilcek, um, who's oh, a yeah. Dak, Dacker racer. Yeah. So, so I guess Peter had gone, had, had contacted Aaron and said, you know, Aaron, I want to, you know, be able to spin the back wheel of my bike out and be able to, you know, turn, you know, drift around turns and things. And so, uh, this, this class, they put you on street, small little Honda 150, uh, you know, mid-sized dirt bikes with street tires and you do a uh, flat track and, uh, you do that for two days and you just wipe out continuously. And, but you learn what it feels like to get that back wheel, you know, to walk out on you. And I mean, so again, this back to the whole idea of, you know, what skills should I start to really try to hone, you know, between the trials, you know, it's time with Jimmy and then this, um, you know, I, 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 I feel like I'm advancing. Okay. But you know, there's still just so much experience that I haven't had. And that, that made itself clear just uh Saturday when, you know, I found myself in a really gnarly section that required some serious, uh, commitment uh towards you know just blasting up this rock face and i was like okay you know what uh, i i need to i need to just have a little more confidence mm-hmm. so yeah and this was and, and i think so this is the the videos and the stuff that you were posting on on instagram this weekend no or yes a few days ago? yes yeah. that looked muddy that, that was <laughs> <laughs> that looked pretty bad yeah, it's pretty, it's, it's, it's a, it's a gnarly road in, in North Georgia called Flatland Road, which is quite ironic, but, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it was, um, you know, there, there's a lot of line selection that's coming at you really quickly. And, and it was interesting because I ended up losing my camera on this and I rode all the way back down and then repeated it. And on the second time up, I was actually dropping the bike uh, a couple times beforehand. I was, you know, kind of getting off cameras, you know, losing traction, slipping the back wheel out and, and just kind of really just turned into kind of a sloppy mess. But that one hard section that scared me so much, I was able to hit every single time. And so it was, it was, it was no longer, that part was fine. It's just all the other stuff. But, you know, when your heart rate gets up, the balance just goes to crap. And, and, and that was, you know, the second day of Jimmy's school, you know, he had this drill that, you know, kind of start, stop, start, stop with their hands raised. And I was, you know, Jimmy was, you know, doing it and he just kept on stopping me, stopping me. And I finally get up to him. He's like, Hey, he goes, Hey dude, your, your brain's broken. You need to go get a drink or something and, uh, you know, get some sugar in you. So, uh, you know, I, I'm realizing that, and there's a video, you'll actually see me look at my watch. I'm actually looking at my heart rate to, uh, to, to, to just sort of see if I can get it back down into a range that I'm like, okay, now I'm at a range that I can get my balance back and, and, uh, you know, kind of do the trials maneuvers of, you know, hop up on the pegs, you know, get myself going again. Yeah. Interesting. So it, it you know, I'm every, now that I'm talking to you and hearing it after talking to Paul and all these guys in the classes, like there's there's a lot to learn on what he, he specifically, because he broke it down in the podcast, you know, there's only a handful of things that, you know, well, like he says, you see their traction and balance. And so it sounds like that, that, that really does make a big difference. I think it makes a huge difference. Um, I, you know, the, 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 and the, and the trials really did help. Um, and it, it just, you know, I also use a balance board and, you know, and that's, and it was, it would just, I, I nearly started laughing in his class because the first thing you do in Jimmy's class before you go out on the bikes is you stand on a balance board and he feels that that accelerates everybody's, um, balance, activates their balance center in their brain so that they, uh, start thinking in terms of balance, um, and, you know, versus waiting two or three hours into the day before people finally get their balance on the bike. So, uh, 
you know, I, I, I was, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting how, uh, we started with that. Yeah. Not to I, give away any Jimmy secrets. No, well, no, no, no. I've seen, I mean, it's in one of the videos you, you can see like, it was like in one of his recap videos that you can see everybody standing on balance boards. Um, and it's been like, I mean, I've seen a couple of other commercials, you know, of course the, the Instagram thing, like right now that I'm talking about balance boards, when I go to check my Instagram here in about 20 minutes, it's going to be nothing but balance boards on there. Uh, and I will literally screenshot it because I'm sure I'm going to have a, <laughs> an ad from there. But um, but I've seen it also like uh, the balance board setups. Uh, then also like I've seen people with handlebars, uh, like a type of handlebar simulation to also help with the balance. Like it's we talked about it in the episode. It's almost like you see all of these things like you see. OK, balance. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> but it sounds like once you get into the class, it's a whole nother level of of that. Yeah. And, you know, it was it was interesting because I this weekend was my goal this on Saturday was to test my where, where my where's my stamina, especially on this new bike. Um, mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the thing that Jimmy focuses on um, besides, you know, balance and traction, of course, is, you know, some of the very low level fundamentals of everything. But, you know, he focuses on, you know, riding efficiently. Um, and being able to handle, you know, long days, uh, you know, on the pegs. Well, that was what my goal was yesterday was to just stay on the pegs. Um, I was up in the saddle, probably maybe sat back down for no more than five minutes over a three hour period, just stayed up on the pegs. And, uh, the, you know, when you break, you know, I'm rolling back onto my heels practically and, and staying neutral so that my arms are never taking any hit at all. Um, and then same with, you know, once I start to accelerate, I'll just lean into it and go ahead and get on the gas. And, you know, the, the thing that's, um, with, with some of this, there's another body position that I've, I'm kind of picking up, I guess, from motocross, which I, again, I took another lesson, just a day, half day clinic with Ezra Lusk, uh, um, and you know, just getting your body position, disconnecting your hips. You see Ryan Hughes talk about this a lot of times, but you get into that attack position in, in motocross. Well, that's really because you're on the gas really hard. And that's really the only position that you can be in without leaning straight forward, you know, and this way you kind of disconnect yourself. So, um, but, but, you know, the thing that Jimmy really taught was to just sort of hold your position and like when you go into a whoop section uh, in the desert um, and he had us do this, uh, you know, just let the bike suspension hit these things. Don't try to float your, you know, by doing a squat, you know, you try to float over these things. Uh, just let the bike hit it and, uh, and, 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 and use your throttle to kind of modulate how your wheel comes back into the next, uh, you know, comes over the top of the the whoop. Um, and you know, those were the types of things that I just tried to work on continuously on Saturday and, uh, and, and just remain as efficient as possible. And, you know, I felt pretty good by the end of the day, I wasn't too exhausted. So, um, and I'm happy to know that I don't really ever get heart arm pump either. And I think that's again, a result of, you know, you know, again, trials and, you know, just remaining super neutral on the bike. Mm -hmm. Well, and they, you know, it's interesting because they do, um, like when I when I worked at BMW Motorcycles, the one of the guys that was there used to have a riding school and and they always talked about, you know, it's like, yeah, you know, no pressure. Your hands should not hurt. Your palms should not hurt. You know, it's if they are, it's because you're putting too much weight on them. And that's on a street bike. 
now you throw the dirt into it and taking hits in, but it's like, uh, it's a easier said than done kind of deal. Correct. You yeah. Know. There's a time, there's a definitely a timing issue on it. And, and when you get tired also, it's, it's even harder. Uh, I did a trials day on a four stroke, uh, rented, rented Montessa and, by the end of the day, it was just decelerating uh, and, and just being too tired to kind of get my body back into the position. And so my arms just started taking the hit every single time I decelerated. You know, I wasn't even using the brakes at this point. And, and it was um, it was starting to clobber my arms. And, you know, so. So, yeah, it's, it's 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 getting that timing right so that you accelerate and you lean into it right at the right time. And I, I think, again, it's, you know, bike familiarity. Um, and, uh, and just time and practice. And, and, and that's, that's really with, with the, in the Appalachians, you have just endless, endless tight, twisty curves through these mountains, uh, and it's all on gravel. And, you know, so you, you, you know, you're continually breaking in, you know, and trying to come out of it, um, you know, and, 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 you know, so, so you're always trying to remain, remain neutral on the pegs at the whole time and, and just, uh, and, and limit any kind of a hit to your arms. Yeah. So it, it was, it was a, it was a fun day. It was, it was, it was long. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and but, I can imagine. So something that I had been wondering about too, and it's like, right. Um, there's a couple guys that have been looking at, uh, that have reached out about beginning bikes and I've mentioned it a couple of, across a couple of shows now, but Jumping on the 501 from the KLR. Now, I know the KLR has got a lot of torque. I mean, the thing is a tractor. I mean, it's almost like diesel. And hell, they even make Mm -hmm. diesel conversions for them. But compared to the 501, the horsepower of the 501 and how that feels, I mean, how was that for you? Um, well, okay. So when I first got my KLR, I had the 15 tooth sprocket on. uh, And it was, oh, let's see. Was it 15 or 14? I think it was the... 14 tooth, no, 15, 15 tooth. Um, and, and I actually dropped it back down later and it smoothed out the entire bike. But before that it it had some torque and it had some pull, but it didn't, it it was never anything violent because it's just such an underpowered, you know, 32 horsepower engine. Mm -hmm. Um, and, 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 you know, maybe the specs say 38, but I think I'm being kind by saying (laughs) probably 32. Um, you know, and then you load it down, you load it down with, you know, all the, all the guards and everything else. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it becomes a 450 pound bike at that point, you know? Yeah. So it, it's, it's the KLR is, is such a great bike for anyone just wanting to get started in adventure riding. Um, and that's exactly what I did. I just wanted to do the Transamerica trail and I bought the bike and, you know, it took me a few years before I finally did that. But, um, the 501, I mean, is it's, it's, it's very smooth on the, on the, um, uh, on the on the low end um but you can really get on it in the mid-range and and higher end um you know i've gotten that front wheel up very easily uh just with the throttle um where you know usually you, if uh, the only time i'd ever gotten the klr to lift a little bit was just to, to really rev it up and pop that clutch <laughs> so you know it, it's it's uh the the 50 I don't know. It, it was interesting because, uh, when I took Jimmy's class, I was on a 350, Um, and that was, it was fantastic. It just seemed dull. And, you know, I was, you know, e- even early into, you know, proper dirt bike riding, uh, it still felt like a, it was a, it was a good solid bike, but it didn't really excite me. Mm-hmm. I thought that maybe the 501 would at least be in its own weird way, a little bit more fun. Um, it's just feels a little heavier, um, and then, then the 350, I'd say, uh, definitely a lot more power, but just, I mean, the suspension and everything, it's an entirely different bike than the KLR and it just, I mean, 
just it feels like it's on rails and and i you know but, but my other bike that i have is uh is a ktm 300 xc which uh i mean that's you know night and day difference <laughs> you know that that is um that, that that bike just evokes a sense of just love i mean that's that's um yeah. you know and the xc is the two-stroke no. It's the two. Yes, it's yeah. the two-stroke with the linkage suspension versus the XCW, which has sort of a wide, lower gear range for kind of hard enduro, and it has the PDS, uh, the, the PDS suspension. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has linkage, which makes it better for things like uh, motocross, hair scramble, you know, woods racing, mm-hmm. um, versus versus kind of the slower speed, uh, gnarly stuff. Yeah, gotcha. And I, then, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people like the two stroke craze right now, and I don't know if it's maybe just looking into it, but it seems like they have a really strong following again on the two stroke hard enduro type stuff. Is there a lot of that kind of riding over by you? Uh, tons. I mean, that's kind of really what's popular right now. I mean, I think our proximity to trials training center, uh, Tennessee knockout was just a few weekends ago. Um, you know, we've got a, we've got a kind of that Chattanooga community up there is really interesting. And, and, and if I could move, I would love to live up in that area because some of the motocross, I mean, I'm not motocross, just, just motorcycling, the, 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 the trails, everything up there is apparently just amazing. So, uh, you know, it's, um, we, we have a lot of woods riders, we have a lot of, you know, racing, but, uh, it feels to me like people are leaning more towards like the XCW for harder enduro, uh, another group, um, the, the Southeast, uh, extreme riders association is kind of turning into this bigger group. Um, there's a lot of local hard enduro races. Hard enduro just seems to be really becoming popular in this area down here. And, uh, it's, uh, you know, we don't have the, we don't have, we don't have like a district 37 with, you know, desert hair scrambles, you know, so we have gnarly Creek beds and nasty rocks and everything else. So I think it's, I think this part of the country is going to start leaning a little bit more towards hard enduro. Yeah. Well, in, in a lot of, uh, tree density i just to me like riding in the trees and that kind of stuff i don't know how that is there but it just seems like it seems like a lot of fun but it's you're you're inches away from having a horrible day so <laughs> is how i see that i mean my my background was mountain biking and, and okay. racing actually so so back in the early 2000s that that's you know and and again this is this is a little bit of where my you know kind of everything kind of went south for me is that you know, I had to move, you know, my business, I moved overseas and then, uh, you know, just my health kind of, you know, I stopped racing, my health kind of went down and, you know, just all of, um, you know, but, but the mountain biking had been some kind of a constant in my life and, and the racing was fun. And so, so, you know, zigzagging through the trees and the woods. And, you know, of course, when <laughs> there were times that I'd hit, hit trees with my handlebars and go launching off, uh, fortunately I've not done that on my motorcycle yet, but, uh, you know, it, that's, um, it, it, it feels very familiar when I'm on the two stroke doing that. It just feels like a little bit heavier mountain bike, uh, especially being a two stroke, you don't have engine braking. Um, so you end up just, you know, really kind of being able to coast down into hills and maintain your momentum. It's, 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 a, it's, it's the, the woods riding here is just amazing. Yeah. And do you feel, and this is, so I'll ask your opinion on this, cause this is something that I've been doing. So I'm hearing more about trials bikes, right? And and trials bikes is a skill building bike. But then, uh, like I follow my good friend Travis uh, from every single Sunday that does a lot of that hard enduro stuff. And he's traveling traveling around the U.S. Uh, riding these different trails, but it's on a two-stroke. And so then I start to think, well, maybe a two-stroke small bike like that is actually a good 
you know, because of the lack of engine braking and the and and the weight of it, that maybe it is a good kind of skills bike versus, you know, like a trials bike or you know, what what would you do? What would you? Have? Yeah, that well, that that was that's really where kind of you know with with limited funds i'm you know i'm i'm a it system administrator i you know <laughs> can't have every bike that i want so um you know i that that was actually what i was thinking was you know a two stroke uh dirt bike would be maybe the kind of bike i could use as a skills bike and that that's what the 300 xc was all about was just something i could use for 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 developing skills um and i will say that it's still a really big bike compared to a trials bike. Um, you know, the problem is, is that trials is something that if you're doing it, it's worth the investment for the bike. If you're using a trials bike like I was, which is to just do it for practice. I mean, I think what I'm going to keep doing is just hosting uh, training days at the trials training center and, and, and being able to have access to their rental bikes. Cause they only rent bikes when they do a training sessions. And if, and, and if someone can put together a class, then there you go. But, um, you know, I, I like to do it maybe, you know, once a, once a, I'd say once a quarter, it'd be good to do it maybe for a day. Um, you know, so I don't know. I mean, but on the, on, on the flip side of it, it'd be really nice to have a trials bike to just go out behind my uh, apartment where there's just sort of some open land and set up some logs and just practice skills all day. Um, it's, it's a ton of fun, but you know, when I look at kind of what my goals are, mm-hmm. um, I think hard enduro and, you know, there was, there was an opportunity to, um, let's say, you know, there was a, Graham Jarvis was going to be in town and, uh, he unfortunately hurt his knee. So he, but he was going to do a, 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 a clinic up in, um, at, at this, uh, place up North. And, uh, you know, I thought, Oh, wow, I'd love to meet Graham Jarvis. I'd love to do one of his classes on hard enduro. And I kind of, thought about it. I'm like, you know, for what my goals are right now, I should try to maybe go to this place I'd heard about in North Carolina, where you learn how to walk the back end of your bike out on dirt. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, I had to kind of make the, I'm having to make these kind of choices as to, you know, what's going to apply most towards rally, what's going to, you know, and what's not. So that, that was, uh, it's kind of a tough decision because, and, and actually when I, when I broke down also, when I broke down all of what it takes to get to Dakar, I also put in a whole category of what I call threats. And one of the threats was that I, you know, let's say, you know, as I'm training and for example, I, I've been doing laps on motocross tracks, um, just to get, learn how to get speed up and just practice. Um, you know, it's like, what if something becomes more fun than what I, my you know original goal is? Well, you know, that, that to me could be a potential threat. Well, I, I don't know if hard enduro is going to be my thing, but, uh, you know, I will say though, uh, having my rally bike and being up in the North Georgia mountains last weekend, it was confirmed that I really, really love the long distance, mm-hmm. uh, you know, grind throughout the day. So, yeah. Well, and I, yeah, I, and I'm with you. I like, I, and, and it's interesting because Mason Klein says the same thing is like, he's like, I want to fill the bike up, go as far as I can, then fill it up again and then go even further. Yes. <laughs> you know, and, and, I mean, I just yeah. wish I didn't have to come home. I wish I could just keep on, just keep on going. It'd be great. <laughs> yeah. And that, and you know, it's like you, you want to keep doing that, but uh, yeah, obviously we eventually run out of land or, or something or yeah, the bills come due and you got to turn around. Um, yeah. So let me ask you this. What, what you, you were talking about a 690 versus a 501 versus, you know, you have your, uh, you have a 790 right now, right? Yeah. 
Okay. And then you said you thought you might want to put together a 690 because it might be the most, I think you were saying closest to the, to a rally 450 or what was? Yeah. So there's been like, I, I look at it. So originally KTM, when they changed the rules, um, right, the 690 was the, was going to be the rally bike or what, I don't know if it ever made it to it, but I just know that they changed the rules and they said, okay, well, we need a ladder frame. So we're going to bolt a 450 into a six, into a 690 frame. So the 690 is obviously is still around. It's still the ladder frame that the rally bikes run. Obviously, it's like the ladder frame that they have is a very specific rally build. But the 690 still is the at at its core is still the rally bike is still what the rally bike was. The linkage, the, the, right. the engine, but obviously it's going to be the engines a little bit heavier but now i see it as okay yeah it's a little heavier but you have the horsepower of a race bred 450 or closer to you know right right but you can hang the same exact gas tanks that they use on the rally bikes you can i mean you literally buy a rally kit and to the un, unassuming the person that does not know will go oh that's a Dakar bike right right yeah you know so but the problem I saw with that is like, well, I already have a 790 in the garage. So if I end up building this, then it's like, do I get rid of the 790? And then, well, then I don't want a 450 or a 500 because, well, it's kind of close to the 690. Right. Yeah. Right. So that was yeah. my... Huh. That's the thought process. Yeah. I, I, I struggled with that. The 501 versus the 690 was a really tough decision. Um, and uh, it's interesting, actually, though, because there's a guy in Australia, Andrew Houlihan, who actually reached out to me. And, and, and you know, we, we could talk about that, too, about how incredible this rally community is. I've had so many guys who've completed Dakar actually reach out to me at this point, but we can, you know, but he uh, he reached out to me and was 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 talking about the fact that he trains on his 790. And that by the time he hops on the 450, he says it's, it, I mean, it's kind of like, you know, training with a weight vest and ankle weights on, mm-hmm. you know, uh, you know, before you run a marathon, you know, run a marathon with that and then go out there and run a marathon without it. One's going to be significantly easier. So he, he was, he, he actually is a big advocate of using the, the 790 for grinding miles, um, which was surprising to me. I, you know, I started out with the 300 XC kind of as a skills bike. And then, um, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm biasing a little bit towards, uh, between one or the other, I'm going to go with the lighter weight bike, uh, especially cause you know, you're putting now you know, bigger tanks and things, but the 690 still, I don't know, it's still a decision that I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm living with my 501 decision. I'm going to stick to it. But, uh, yeah. you know, there's a part of me that really came close to buying the 690 cause I thought, I, I think it's just such an awesome bike and I love the, the, the rear, the rear tanks. And like you said, you can build it up to be just identical to the 450 rally. I think the geometry is a little different. Yeah. And, um, and, and, and again, um, uh, Peter Vilcek actually reached out to me and said, you know, you get a 501, you're going to have to do a lot of work to get the engine to, uh, to be able to be lively enough. Um, and then, uh, the, uh, 690 is, is, he said is too heavy, but, um, you know, I, you know, it's, it's kind of tough when you have a lot of different voices uh, coming at you. Yeah. And it's, and, and you're absolutely correct because everybody has an opinion on the bike. Yep. Ah, don't do that. Do this and don't do that. And yeah. that's probably why, you know, I haven't, there's not a trials bike. And then I think, well, like, well, maybe I should get a, uh, maybe I'll just go get a two stroke and go make, you know, uh, we had two at the last Baja rally. Uh, we had two people, um, from Texas on two strokes. I go, and these wow. guys are going to make the mileage, but like they told me, so well, yeah, as long as you stay out of it, you know, you're not pitting it. 
the gas mileage is actually all right. You know, it's not as bad as you think it would be. Wow. I, you know, someone did Dakar on a two stroke. I, and, and I didn't. So, so again, kind of a crazy coincidence. I was at my, I was at my sh- local shop and it turned out that some, a customer, a Husqvarna customer had a, a problem with their bike that they had flown in a guy to do from corporate to help them with this, a guy named Scott Spears. And he, uh, he's been on Dakar, you know, um, you know, he's been a wrench on, I think six, I think is what he said. Um, you know, and, and he actually worked on a team where, where some guys actually used two strokes in Dakar and actually completed it. (laughs) I mean, you know, I think about it like, I mean, like they've always said it, um, the engine is just so much less complicated, right? You know, the four strokes, yeah, the gas mileage, the torque and everything like that. But if you ride, I think if you ride a two stroke at the right pace and you can make the, uh, you can make the distance, well, you just got rid of cams and got rid of, you know, valves and springs and all of these other components that could go bad, you know, across this, this race. And yeah, you know, you got to worry about the oiling and the, the mixing of it, but now, now you don't even have to mix the gas. It just mixes it on the fly. So now you got to worry about an oil pump, but it, it, one for the other. Yeah. But, it'd be a lot more fun. It sure would be a lot more fun to be on a two stroke. Yeah. But. <laughs> you know, and even talking to you right now, I'm thinking, I'm all like, dude, why don't you just, yeah, you know. Yeah, get a get a two stroke. You could put I mean they make them with stators. You can put, you know, you can put a roadbook on it. And if you're not riding these really long, you know, super long things where you're going to be pushing your fuel mileage, then it's probably not a bad thing. But then again, I live in California, so the only way to connect trails is you're going to have to do uh, some street and yeah, it's generally frowned upon if it doesn't have a license plate. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So exactly like you said, there's just if you sit, it's uh, what's the term? Decision paralysis. Yes. Uh, yes. <laughs> too many options. <laughs> yeah. And the 501, the 501690 was almost decision paralysis. I was kind of and, and, and even even in the 300, the 300 XC. Uh, when I bought that, it was it was between that, the XCW and, you know, or the, you know, do I jump, you know, start with the 690? And I think, I think I finally, what I finally did was I said, you know, really, I need to find a bike that's going to be a good training bike. That's going to be fun. And mm-hmm. everything that I knew about riding two strokes, just, it feels light, it feels nimble and it's fun. And, you know, if, if, if I didn't do any of these other things that I'm trying to, you know, uh, pursue, then at least I have a bike that's just awesome. And it's a lot of fun. And, uh, and just it just it just brings a smile to my face to ride that it's 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 a blast. Yeah, and that you know and like seeing all of the the rally like all of the rally stuff that we have here at our at our fingertips is the five hundred one. I feel is the better weapon for that or the better the better suited bike for it because you can take the you know if you want to just go ride desert you can easily take the stuff off and then go do it and then it's light enough and you know you don't have to struggle with it. But then it's very, very capable to do the highway or longer liaisons. And then it is capable of uh, having the suspension for the rougher type of stuff where I feel like the 690 or the newer ones after talking to, to somebody else about it is, is like you have to invest a lot of money on the suspension because Husky and KTM have been doing their best at lowering the seat height. Oh, so you're interesting. Now in exchange for suspension travel. So okay. I, when he brought it to light, I was like, you're absolutely right. Because now I walk into the shop and I'm going, huh, that doesn't look that tall. But I remember <laughs> when the 690s first were coming out, I was like, ooh, I want to go throw a leg on that. Huh. And it's like I needed a step stool. 
Right. I was like, and I'm okay with being on the, you know, the, the tips of my toes on one, you know, one foot. I, I usually use only one foot down. That's all I care about. And, um, and I'm okay with being on the tippy toe part, but this was something a little extra. <laughs> you know, I'm like, right, <laughs> this is the first bike I thought. I'm like, oh yeah, I'm getting a lowered seat for this thing. Right. Right. So, huh. you know, I don't, you know, I don't know. And I mean, big thumpers down in Baja. I mean, the, the way the desert is down there. I mean, it's, it's perfect. I mean, look at the XR 650R. You know, it was the the king of Baja, and, right? And so they work very well down there, and in a lot of places. But it's where they don't. Where it's like if you go down into the sand washer, you got kind of the sketchy downhill. You will always wish you had a lighter bike for that, right? Yeah. Right. I don't know. Yeah, and that's and that's the that's that's the that's the I think the the frustrating part on diverse terrain. I mean, even doing the Transamerica Trail, the uh, you have these little moments of technical sections that you would love to be able to attack the way you would like to. And, uh, you know, if, if you, if you're, you know, if you're on the road for, you know, most of the tad is a lot of road. And so you're kind of wishing you were on a big GS and then all of a sudden you hit these little sections where you wish you were on a small little, uh, you know, 250, 350 or you know, 500. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, um, it, it's, 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 you know, I, th- I think, I think if you have to compromise and, you know, my, my bias is let's, you know, go as light as you, you know, always, always err on the side of lighter and mm-hmm. you won't have a problem. And, you know, I'm not, like I said, I'm not an expert. And again, this is just my, you know, amateur opinion. <laughs> so <laughs> no, but I, you know, it's, it, I think at the end of the day, like it's whatever you feel comfortable on. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. this 501 has been fantastic. And, and it's been, yeah. it's been, it's been just a, it, 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 I'll be honest with you. When I bought it, I wasn't looking at it as I, there was not a lot of excitement for owning the 501. I, I, I went in with this, I need a bike that's going to do rallies and I need a bike that's going to carry a tower and some navigation equipment. And so it, it, it really felt like a utility to me. I don't have a lot of brand affinity for Husqvarna to begin with. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, it, it, it was weird to be signing, you know, of some finance papers for this bike that I wasn't excited about. And I even told her, I said, you know, I'm just not excited about this bike what I'm excited about is what it's going to do for me. Um, you know, I mean, really, truly, I think if I could just rent bikes, that'd be <laughs> better, but, uh, no, it, it, it was, it was, it was, um, you know, you know, but once I put the rally tower on it, then I started getting a little more excited because now I started to see this, uh, you know, this, this, this future I'm envisioning for what I want to do unfold. Um, and then as soon as I got it up in the mountains, then, then it was, you know, it's, it's a whole new relationship with it now. And it's just, I, I love this bike. Mm-hmm. It is just, so much fun. Yeah. Well, and I, you know, and then I guess that's the, it was the unknown part of it. You know, I'm buying this tool. Yes. Not a hundred percent. Like I know this tool is meant to do this, <laughs> but I don't know if this is the right tool or, you know, there's still that unknown factor, I guess. Right. You know? And yeah, I mean, I, I get, you know, what the other guy was saying, like how you were talking about, like, yeah, training on a 790 and it absolutely makes sense because the 790 is, you know, 465 pounds or whatever it is. And, um, you're going to learn a lot about balance and it's cause it takes more effort to balance it because of the weight of the bike, but then it's also stable in some cases and just, yeah. but then exactly like what they said, but then you step down and you get on a 500 and you're just like, this is cute, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, but does it really like, you know, 
it, would it really suit its purpose? You know, would it really be like, okay, yeah, I, if if I can step out a, a 790, you know, stepping out a 500 where the horsepower to weight ratio is higher, it might take a lot more getting used to, I would think. You know, I don't, you know, there, there's a ton of stuff, you know. If, mm-hmm. uh, but I think you're in the right, like the right spread. Like, yeah, if you said, okay, well, yeah, you know what? I'm going to get the, the Norden if you really want a Husky or, or you'll all get an 890 after all this is said and done. And that's just mm-hmm. going to be my forever bike. Then probably not a bad deal. But otherwise, I, I really do think that the, that the 690 701 is kind of the graduate. Yeah. From the 500. Like, I want to go a little bigger, but I don't want to go full size. Yeah. I mean, it was, I'm trying to remember who I was speaking with. Um, again, you know, people have reached out to me. Uh, I think it was, it was, uh, Lee Clark. Um, he, he did Sonora this year. Um, he, interesting guy. Uh, he, uh, he and I, he he was, he was doing some work in Atlanta and I actually met up with him and just, you know, he just gave me the full download on everything. He's also a 501 rider, did Sonora on the 501. And he actually said that he, there there were moments where he was jealous of the guys on the 690s because the 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 first of all the speed that they could maintain and the stability of them at high speed you know just the the extra weight actually gives them a little bit more stability kind of on some of these really long straight fast you know crazy uh you know these crazy speeds that i'm uh <laughs> when i just watch i'm like oh my gosh i don't yeah but uh you know he uh you, you know so 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 again it, it's it's i think there's you know i think i think that choice is probably the hardest choice right now in motorcycle purchasing is that 501 690 thing if you, especially if you're doing any kind of desert or rally at this point so mm-hmm. um because yeah, i mean a valid point a skill set is a skill set. So where maybe earlier it was like, ah, yeah, but you get into those downhills and and some of those areas where you're like, damn, I wish I had a lighter bike. But if I'm thinking most of the time it's like, well, balance. Well, if your balance is that much better and your clutch control and your throttle control, then the 50 pounds between a, a 500 and a 690, you're going to compensate for them in one form or another. But right. It, but I and I learned this lesson in Baja. My first dirt bike was a 250, and I was like, "Dude, this thing sucks." That was my very first dirt bike, and it just sucked every because anything I would hit, it felt like it was you know. Then again, rider talent, but it just felt super harsh and just like. But I was like, "Okay, this is what a dirt bike is supposed to be." You know, M A N. It's manly, and it's like I I realized like oh, this sucks, and then I got a chance to ride a bigger bike. Uh, then I went to a KTM 625. And then I was like riding a couch and I'm like, why is this so much more fun than a smaller bike? Huh? Okay. You know, so I can see, I could kind of see that it's like, you know, uh, if it was a 701 and if it was, or if it was a 690, you dress it up and yes, it's going to weigh more. That's just, there's yeah. one, it's not, it's not the 500, but then in bigger open desert terrain and stuff like that, I could see where it is more more stable. And I know that they like, I've, I've heard the conversations between uh, some of the riders on the 450 rallies, which, you know, six on the rally bikes will go. Mm -hmm. And they talk about how they're using fuel levels to compensate. Oh, they'll only run this to this point and then they'll switch to these tanks. So then it balances the bike out and they do. So there's some like really high level stuff going on to help these bikes feel a lot better. You right. Know? And then now you see the, uh, and if, I don't know if you, have you seen one of the Dakar bikes up close? Uh, the, 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 not up close, not, not, not yet. 
the the fifty two millimeter forks on oh. like say Skyler's bike, Skyler House's mm-hmm. bike, are crazy. Like it's just <laughs> this fork. Like it's so not this I, little, it dwarfs the little forty eight millimeter ones. Oh my gosh! So the so the day I sold my KLR, I posted a picture of it going to the new owner. Um, yeah. Lyndon reached and I and I posted the question. I said, "What should I get next? You know, the six ninety or the five hundred one." Uh, Lyndon Poskett re- <laughs> reached out and said, no, you need to get the 450 rally replica. And he goes, you know, PM me and let's, let's talk. <laughs> and yeah. so, so, I mean, I was starting to, you know, initiate this conversation with him. And unfortunately he had a pretty nasty wreck on the same week of his wedding. And, you know, and I'm like, you know what, I'll, I'll, I'll leave him alone for a while. But then Coda popped up and I'm like, I need a bike today. I can't, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, and, and I mean, you know, where am I going to get the money for a 450 rally replica? Again, this is, you know, I, I have no mm-hmm. idea where that that's going to come from, but you know, not him and Peter Vilchak. And, and again, Peter, you know, just, we were talking about corner spin and his experiences there. And he, you know, just kind of, he gave me some advice about bike choice and he, 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 he was saying, I said, you know, 690 or 501 and he goes 450 rally. And I'm like, really, is it really that different? <laughs> Can we please and, talk about unicorn bikes that do not, or non-unicorn bikes that I can actually yeah. get in the States, please? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and Nathan Rafferty, Nathan Rafferty said the same thing. Like, you know, but I mean, I guess these guys who have them, you know, are going to say that, but you know, it's, it's, it's like, oh wow, we can get someone else to buy one of these. Yeah. Meanwhile, um, <laughs> you know, meanwhile, it's like, okay, what do I need to sell uh, to, to do this? But um, you know, I mean that, that, that's going to be, I'm sure a stretch goal for the next year and a half or so, you know, to try to, you know, either acquire one or, or, you know, gets, and again, you know, the training, um, that I, I, again, I have a deposit down still with Lyndon to do, uh, six days on the 450 rally replicas, uh, you know, in, in Morocco and get a feel for those at that point. And then, you know, maybe that I never actually own one, but I just, you know, if, 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 and when, you know, I make it to the starting line of Dakar, I hope it's, uh, you know, It'll, it'll probably be, hopefully be with a support service and, you know, rental. Uh, I think that's probably the easiest way to, 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 to get, get, get through it the first time. Um, you know, uh, Wolfie basically said that, you know, don't do Malimoto. You'll, you'll, you'll hate yourself. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we were, we were talking about that. Um, you'll, you'll hear the episode this coming Sunday about it, but there, there was a conversation about that. And I, I definitely, I agree with what he's saying because, um, too many moving pieces you won't get a chance to you'll be under so much constant pressure of okay now i got to do this now i got to do that now i got to do that right Where, yes going supported is probably it is more expensive um but at the same time your mental it's like being in that job that just you know what i make a great amount of money but i want to ring you know i question my life choices when i wake up in the morning <laughs> yeah, I, that's what I feel like going as Malamo now later on, like, OK, once you get the Dakar learning curve out of it and what, you know, dealing with the organization and the day to day and all of that stuff. And then you go, OK, now I'm going to go do this cowboy class. Then I could see that. But, yeah, I just yeah. I feel like supported is the way to go first time around. I, I would I, I would think so, too. And I actually uh, uh, Andrew Houlihan also mentioned the same thing. He said, you know, you want to be supported if you want to have a chance of success on this. And, and he says you're, you're putting so much investment in. And actually, I think it was it was uh, uh, Peter uh, Vilcek who also said, you know, expect really to spend about one hundred and sixty thousand dollars to complete Dakar, you know, with the preliminary races, with, you know, training, everything that's leading up to that for the next few years. Go ahead and just, you know, write off a 60 grand and uh uh and it, it's just like i'm 
kind of going, well, you know, I'm not really sure I'm going to get that, but, uh, you know, um, I, and it's, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm operating a little bit on faith at this point. I mean, just even for this Coda rally, a friend of mine stepped up and, you know, is, wants to throw a little bit of sponsorship money at me and, you know, I'm going to have a graphics kit with his company name on my bike, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's so, so I mean, little, little things like that. I'm just, I mean, I'm operating, a l- like I said, uh, just a little bit on faith that, you know, when, when the time comes for me to be able to make an attempt at Dakar, I'll be able to do it. But yeah. in the meantime, the, the, just the rally itself is just so much fun. I mean, and, and I, 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 I will have another interpretation of it. I'm sure, uh, three weeks from now, you know, um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. well, and, and you know, you're, you're right. It's like, uh, at least how I, I would kind of see it is like, you know what, even if it was like thinking about it right now, going, damn, 160 K. Yeah, I couldn't do it. But even if you made it halfway, and even if you made it to the point where I was like, oh, yeah, you know, and then Dakar says, ah, yeah, sorry, you need a little more experience, whatever it could be. The yeah. journey all the way there to that point is further than most because most people are still on the couch. And but not only that, but it's just like all the people you met, all the training you did, all the places you got to see, all of the, you know, the people, just the even. The yeah, people. I would even if I wasn't or I, I don't race rally, but damn, I love hanging out in the bivouacs. <laughs> and just listening to the stories and being at the finish line with rally comp being like listening to all these guys about how they battled in or watching people come in with broken bikes and still, you know, making it happen. And yeah, so. I mean, it's, 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 it's an interesting, that's an interesting thing. Um, a mindset thing about and, and when I started this, um, you know, initially, you know, Dakar was sort of, to me, not a goal. It was just a North star, let's call it. And, and it was like, okay, this is the thing that's going to get me out of the couch. It's going to get me to the doctor to get my knees checked. It's going to, I'm going to go to a cardiologist, you know, kind of start getting the fitness baseline and start trying to kind of rebuild myself back up to kind of what I used to be when I used to race mountain bikes. And, and, you know, there was a, there was a, a point in which I thought, okay, you know, if I don't complete Dakar, at least I'll, you know, fill in the blank with a dozen different benefits. Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's sort of a, um, you know, that's a fall, it's, it's sort of a fallback position that we tend to do. Um, and, and kind of when I, with the startups that I used to do, we used to, there, there would be sort of an attitude of, well, you know, if this doesn't work, then we can at least, you know, at least this product could be. And, and it seems like everyone who ever says that they get the lower, they they, they don't get the goal. They get what, you know, the compensate, the, the, yeah. the, um, that, that sort of, um, ah, what's the right word to describe it? They, they're, they're getting, they're getting what they, um, the fallback position. Yeah. And, and so I, I've been trying to be really careful about telling myself that, that really I want to, you know, ride my bike across that stage and, and get that medal. Um, and, uh, you know, of course, then the question is then, you know, then what? <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, you know, it's like we did the cannonball and we set that record. It's like, you know, we got on the plane and we're like, well, you know, now what, and, mm-hmm. you know, and, 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 and so, you know, never in a million years did I think it was going to be, you know, Dakar, but good, good Lord, <laughs> you know, yeah. this is, it just got into my head. I couldn't get it out, but I mean, that's so, so I, you know, it, it, it but all those other benefits. Yeah, absolutely. And if, if it takes a little bit longer to get there, 2025, you know, 20, you know, 26, you know, I, I, it just keep on grinding towards it and, uh, and just having fun and you know, making sure I have fun in the process. Yeah. Well, and, and, and not only that, but like you, it's the investment now for the future later, you know, it's like, okay, well I'm doing all of this stuff. So yeah. So when I get there, 
Uh, I'll be better with road books. I'll be better on my game with, you know, with riding days because the days are super yep. long. And I laugh because, uh, like working at Baharala, like we used to get, um, when I was there, it was like, oh, it's a 300 kilometer liaison. And everybody's like, ah, you know, 300 kilometers of liaison and it's not even race. And then I, then we hear the Dakar and it's like, oh yeah, it's a 600 kilometer liaison. Yeah. And I'm like, ridiculous. And you guys were complaining about this. So it's like, you know, you, you, you're, you're slowly building up to it. And yeah. And, and I can just right now I can see it's like, okay, you get up there, you get the stage, you get your medal and else what's, what's next. I think that this sport is like one of those, like, all right, I'm going to turn around and I want to help the next guys get there and share my journey yeah. and everything that I did to get here because it is, it is hard. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, from a skill standpoint, you know, what, what, you know, I, of course there's the, you know, I need to make a good relationship with desert riding and handling sand dunes and things like that. But at the end of the day, what it is, is I want to have enough skill to be able to finish each day fast enough to recover. Um, you know, that's, Very that's, well that's, that's, that's the fundamental skill. I don't know if you, did you, did you watch any of the Dakar this year on the, 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 the app on the map, you know, with little dots moving around? I mean, cause I was following Skylar the whole way, just yeah. completely cheering him on. But, but, um, you know, I kept watching Skylar, but then I'd see at the very back of the pack, this little dot that was behind everybody every single day. And, you know, this guy, I'm like, who the heck is this guy? And, uh, I finally clicked on it. It's a guy from, um, uh, James Alexander from South Africa, I think Botswana, maybe. Anyway, this guy just grinded out 17-hour days, and he was doing Malimoto. This is, I think it was his first Dakar. I mean, this guy was a beast. And it was like I could not help but, you know, be almost more excited for him than I was for Skyler. Mm -hmm. um, but, oh, my gosh. I mean, that was quite the inspiration to watch this guy just grind his way through Dakar. And, and uh, oh, my gosh. Yeah. And you're, and you know, it's, it, you're, you're absolutely right because you, you have to, it's, it's time management. Like in talking with, um, with Justin and Kira from West by 1000, right. They, they do media coverage for the car and they've been doing that for a few years now and, and their schedule. And one of the biggest things that stuck out to me that they, that they talked about was the time suck, how, okay, well, I'm going to go from my bivouac to the mess hall and I'm going to go get food. Well, there's an hour. You know, and then, okay, now I'm going to go to the right. Okay, well, there's another 45 minutes and then I'm going to go do this. And then it's, so you're this is a very valid point and really hadn't thought about it now. But the goal should be to finish far enough or fast enough to allow yourself some time to to recuperate. Yes. And and ride. I mean, and that's, I think, where like the stuff that Jimmy Lewis is teaching is like ride efficiently. Right. Right. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I think, you know, Jimmy will teach you to ride in a way where you come in still feeling like you could go another few more hours. Um, you know, but I mean, if you can be fast enough and that's the thing I worry about is I don't feel like I've really developed the speed or the, it's, it's still, I get a little bit scared at higher speeds, but, um, you know, and, uh, but yeah, I think, I think that's it, you know, be able to have enough time to recuperate and reset for the next day and, and get, get your fluids in. And, and, you know, that was actually something, um, when I met with Lee Clark, he, uh, said that, you know, his girlfriend was with him at the time, uh, and he would come in, hand his bike off to his mechanic and he would sit down on a chair. She'd give him cold towels, massage, 
and, you know, hand him waters, all of that stuff. And again, that's just that that's time. He doesn't have to walk around and get a water himself. That's time, you know, and he said that having just that kind of a person there is the most invaluable thing that you can have at a rally. He said, he said that if he goes to Dakar, he is, I don't know what it costs to have someone like that, you know, a family member in, in the bivouacs. I, I think it's, I think it's almost as much as it costs if you were doing Malimoto. I think it's in the you know ten to fifteen thousand dollar range to have them there. Uh, he said it's one hundred percent worth it. Yeah. You know, he said he said just just from a from a pure standpoint of having that moment to just kind of shift gears into something that you know someone else taking care of you after you've spent the entire day just uh, fighting. So yeah, and and like I said, even if, even if it's ten minutes, you know, and it's only a few, you know the little things. And, and sometimes it's the stuff like I've been, you know, formerly racing in off-road, uh, in desert cars and stuff like that. It was the reminders to drink water. It was the, you know, Hey, I need an Advil. And instead of you stressing out, trying to find it, it's there for you. Right. You know? And, and that I think that if this was a three day event, it'd be another deal. Or if it was a four day event, it would be another, if it was six days, it'd be a, a deal. But you know, now it's, uh, you know, half a month, you know, it used to be almost a full month. Right. Yeah. And I, you know, it's funny as I, as you said that I'm looking it up, uh, looking it up cause I had seen a number similar to what you're talking about. I think it was like $10,000 to volunteer. <laughs> I'm like, wait, <laughs> what? <laughs> when I saw it, I don't know. Man, that's, that's a good business to be in. If you can get volunteers who pay you yeah, to pay you 10 K to go. Like, yep. I mean, do I get the, the special underwear with the logo on it? Or, I mean, <laughs> you know, cause yeah, that's a lot of, that's a lot of coin. I'll, I'll have to look it up, but yeah, it's a, uh, I was surprised, but you're right. You know, having your, your support team is just going to be that much more critical, um, with a long day. And, and you know what? It's not on day two. It's not on day three. It's day right. four. It's day five. It's, it's the first day you come into the bivouac saying today sucked. Right. And and you're 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 at that point where it's time to start blowing bubbles. That's where I think that that having that extra person, you know, you would have paid double to have them there. Yeah, know, exactly. Exactly. Point on, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So, I don't cool. Know. That'll be good. But <laughs> awesome. So I've uh, I've learned a lot. So I'm on your website and I see there's a pretty, pretty rad website. You got everything broken down real nice. And neat. You got your story on there and everything. Uh, where can people go to, to support you? Help your uh, it's, well, it's couch to Dakar.com mm-hmm. and, uh, same with social media couch to Dakar. Um, I, I think even on my website, it's couch with number two Dakar and also couch to Dakar.com. So, um, that's, uh, you know, I, it's funny. I actually, I put a GoFundMe up there because I had a friend actually say that he would like to donate something. And, 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 and it's been kind of amazing because I've actually had a few people already just drop money in there. And it's like, guys, I'm not really ready to start taking this. I said, this other friend of mine also is like, yeah, I'm not quite ready to be you know, taking any money at this point. I want to wait until I'm a little bit closer to, uh, you know, actually having the big expenses of Dakar. I, I want, I want that effort to be funded. I want the goal to be funded because I think that's what's going to be, you know, and, and, and I, I will probably start to do some pretty big campaigns for a little bit more. It's been real. I, the, the gratitude though. I mean, it's just been, it's just amazing that people have come out of the woodwork from friends of mine who've said, man, he goes, what you're doing is so inspiring to me. You know, I'm at this point in my life too, where it's like, I really need to find that thing. 
uh, they're like, I think something, you know, when you turn 50, there's this, something happens where I I don't know if it's, 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 you feel like the timer's running out or something, but, or you haven't, you're just in this place, I think, where you really want to try to make a, make another push for something and, uh, keep yourself going instead of just coasting in, uh, you know, till retirement or something. But, uh, you know, so, so that makes me really happy. I mean, that's really why I wanted to make that website and, um, and document kind of everything I'm doing. And, uh, cause I, I feel like one of the, one of my, I have these five, I call them my five pillars. And one of them is, is people. And, uh, in that group of people, along with sponsors and others, uh, there are, you know, it just someone who reaches out to me and says, Hey, you're inspiring me. Um, well, you know, that's the person I'm going to think of when I'm out in the desert, you know, with a front wheel, you know, two feet into, uh, you know, into some of that, you know, fesh fesh, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I'm, and I'm just wanting to quit. Uh, you know, that's, that's where, um, you know, that's, that's what I'm going to dig into. It's like this, you know, these, these, you know, there's people out there who, who want to see me keep pushing as hard as I can. And, 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 you know, and if, and when I do kind of a bigger push at some point, you know, the way I was thinking about it was, wow, if I could just, you know, get, you know, a number of people who will just pay a very small amount of money to watch a, you know, 50 year old guy suffer in the desert, you know, Hey, awesome. (laughs) You know? Well, and, and, you know, it's everything it's, it's maybe it's a, it's enough for the plane tickets or it's enough for this or it's enough for that, but either way. And, and like I said, I mean, already something that I hadn't looked at or or thought about it that way, but it's very true how you're doing it and how you're looking at it. It's like, okay, well, if you needed an excuse to go see the doctor about, you know, certain health conditions, if it's an excuse that you needed to get out of the house and go do something else, if it's, there's all these little things that are residual and, and, the the quote unquote side effects of this goal absolutely and yeah it yeah i mean and that's and and and, and it, it and what it what it has done is it, it's created a somewhat of a framework for all the decisions that i make right now you know and that's and, and that and that actually makes life a lot easier um you know it's like when i choose what i'm going to eat well you know i just look at you know what do i need to do for this goal um and uh you know what what you know, am I going to do, you know, go work out this morning or am I going to sleep in, you know, same thing. Um, so, you know, it's, it's, it's made, I'd say, you know, life a lot simpler. And like, you know, I just moved into an apartment that's smaller and it's kind of that whole downsizing, you know, I'm an empty nester. It's, uh, you know, kind of clearing the plate a little bit. Um, and then having this framework also, it's really been a, uh, uh, I, I feel very fortunate right now to, um, to, to kind of have this, uh, and, and, and have it, um, and have it actually inform kind of each of my decisions and still kind of really, and still have it, I'd say, you know, I care about myself, you know, which I'd say three years ago, I really didn't. I just, you know, sitting around playing video games and, you know, watching TV and just really kind of rotting, you know, kind of like in the whole time I'm sitting there going, why am I doing this? Why am I, you know, letting myself go like this? This is stupid. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to, to now have something that kind of, uh, you know, pulls, pulls me out of that and, 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 and has me start, you know, let's, let's, let's give it a good run, you know, yeah, you know, or die trying. I don't want to say that yeah. <laughs> with this particular <laughs> sport. Correct. I mean, yes, of course. You know, my mom, of course, wants me to. You know, she's like, "Why aren't you playing golf?" <laughs> it's like, 
<laughs> or the radiologist who said I was too old for to ride motorcycles. I I, I want I I've never wanted to jump up and punch someone more than yeah. when he said that. <laughs> hey, you I don't know if you saw I don't know if you saw that picture on on, on Instagram of the X-rayed middle finger. <laughs> <But it's, laughs> oh, okay. So that's the backstory on that. <laughs> that's the backstory. I literally was it. Yeah, because I thought I'd broken my wrist um, and uh, and I'd gone X-ray, and the guy said you're too old to be riding motorcycles, and I. Uh, and I was just like, well, here, here, here's something that you could probably rec- you know, read, read a little better is, yeah. is this. And I, I like, I'm now going to dedicate every injury I have to anyone who, uh, <laughs> anyone over 50 who decides to try to do something other than sit on their ass. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. I, I went through some, uh, some training a long time ago and they always asked me or they always said, so the last question you want to ask somebody is why? And because when you ask that, it accesses this thing in the brain that puts you into defense mode. And and so for this, it's the same thing. It's like, well, why would you want to do that? Why would you? Well, why not? And I, I think it's along those lines. It's like, I, I'm not here for discouragement. I'm here to because I need you to help me fix this part. I'm here to see you for this knowledge, not your opinion <laughs> as to what I'm going to do once this is better, you know? Exactly. <laughs> so nice. All right. So yeah, we'll get, uh, so I'm going to get some links in the description on this and, and at least get more, uh, get some exposure onto the website and, uh, have people follow you. Cause, uh, I think this is going to be a pretty awesome journey. I mean, you've done, I, it was your social media that encouraged me to reach out. I was like looking at it and I go, couch, when I saw the Instagram, I'll couch that car. Well, that's pretty couchy, catchy. <laughs> so I was like, oh, let's see what he's up to. And then I started following cool. and I'm like, cool. I saw all the training and all this stuff. So I was like, this is a story because there's a lot of people that want to do what you're doing and, and they just don't know where to start. They, they're not, you know, uh, just don't have an idea, which is normal. That's, we all started at mm-hmm. that at some point somewhere with something on that. And so this is great. I mean, I think this is, you really are going to be an inspiration to a lot of people and you've put it in terms where people I think will, understand and get the hang of it like hey this is how you, you just got to put everything in a box and check the boxes so. mm-hmm. yeah yeah and, I, and i'd like to keep doing a little more i want to do some some a youtube channel and try to actually you know put put make it less scattered little bits and pieces on instagram and facebook and actually try to make some cohesive uh some cohesive content about it it's just uh that's a Timing wise, it's uh, prioritization. It's it's uh, it's a lot of work. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, you, let's talk about time sucks. Is trying to get you know get all the right hashtags, get all the right stuff. You know, what time should I yeah. release this at? You know, that's all. <laughs> but yeah, no, this is fantastic. And I mean, it just landing on your podcast was was amazing because it happened right. Um, I would say like mid July. Um, and I mean, I would, well, actually, it was three days before the deadline for Coda Rally, which I think was the 27th of uh, July. And I was like, Oh my God, there's an entire podcast on rally. What the heck? Why didn't I know about this? And, uh, you know, cause I'd been following Mason and some of these other people and, and, uh, and then, and then to, to, to land on, to land on this, it was just like, I just started binging, uh, while I was on a holiday in Florida. And, um, you know, it was, you know, I kept hearing this code of rally get, you know, mentioned and it's like, 
oh my God, okay, there's two days left to register for this thing. <laughs> like, could I really pull this together? And I immediately yes. signed up and I got accepted. And I was like, oh my God, it's not full. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. well, crap, I got to get a bike. Okay, well, let's go. <laughs> time, time, to, time, to, time, to, time to just, you know, let's, let's, uh, let, let's just do this thing at this point and, and uh, throw ourselves in. So, uh, you know, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it turns out. I mean, this, this might, I don't know if this would have been more interesting or less interesting after the coda. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll definitely touch base, but awesome. I have one question before we go. Does your apartment complex know there's a dirt bike in your living room? Uh, please don't tell them this. (laughs) We are not talking to Dave black right now, ladies and gentlemen, if you, in case you were wondering, (laughs) (laughs) they do not know about this being in the apartment. I sneak it. it, it, It's, it's, uh, I have my parking deck, uh, is I'm on the third floor. And so the parking deck, actually, I have a door just around the corner. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so I'll have my girlfriend, she'll hold the door for me and she'll scout it out and say, you can give me the nod. And I kind of sneak it in and then work it around. And I get to where the intersection and the hallways are. And she, it's, it's, and it's, and it's tile floors. It's, it's an outside, it's partially outside side a little bit so it's not like i'm inside of a inside of a nice carpeted hallway but you know she'll look down the other hallway and say okay coast is clear and then she'll go and open up the other door for me and i you know sneak it in and um but i I do have a storage unit where i keep these things it's just that if i'm doing maintenance it's just so much nicer just to be able to you know work work in the kitchen yeah (laughs) (laughs) cook dinner and you know <laughs> clean a clean a dash or two or, or exactly remove a road yeah. book <laughs> exactly <laughs> nice very nice well dave i appreciate you taking the time i know you're uh you're on the west coast or i'm on the west coast you're on the east coast so it's probably getting close to quitting nine o'clock yeah, yeah it's all good so. yep awesome but i appreciate it yeah i'll uh i'll get uh, some links up and then i'll send you a email as soon as the episode lands uh with the link so you can share that and and have your buddies listen in Awesome. Thank you so much. I'm excited to, uh, I mean, I'm just excited to share this with the rest of the world. Just this post I made on Facebook the other day actually explained what I'm all doing and people are like, what? There's this sport where you, anyway, so, so it's really great what you're doing. I think, I think rally is going to pick up in America. I think we've got, um, you know, I mean, Hey, soccer's becoming popular here. So Mm -hmm. I think anything can happen at this point. There we go. That's, that's the sign. (laughs) That is the sign. All right, sir. Well, you have, have a great evening. And uh, and we'll be we'll be in touch. All right. Thanks. We'll awesome. talk to you. Thank you. Thanks. Bye bye. Bye bye. All right. So there you have it. Talking to Dave Black from Couch to Dakar. Uh, Couch to Dakar being his Instagram handle, and uh, very awesome. I, I, you know, I really like the idea of how he's kind of breaking everything up, and it's just like, okay, well, here's the end goal. And, uh, I'm just getting started and, but I know I need to do this and I need to do this and I need to do this and, and just kind of really, um, really just getting things going. So I'm absolutely stoked. I really want to see where this journey goes. Um, I'm looking at the bike, you know, and, and what he's built. I'm on his Instagram right now, catch at couch to Dakar, um, and just seeing some of the stuff that he's riding on and some of the stuff that he's doing. And, uh, this is pretty, uh, this is pretty awesome. So. I am definitely uh, looking forward to him doing some uh, doing some damage out there and getting out there and having fun and and making it happen. There's uh, I see where he built the moto minded tower, and uh, nice. So yeah, so I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Uh, definitely throw him a follow. So I'm going to put in the description uh, what his uh, Instagram is, and let's get in some more followers. 
I know we got a broad audience across the world, and so I would love to see some uh, see some people headed his way and follow on his journey. And then, uh, you know, uh, maybe we'll check in with him after the Coda rally and see how uh, how that went. You know, some roadbook experience. So, anyway, hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. You'll be hearing this soon enough. Uh, and don't forget to share, like, follow, all of that fun stuff. Uh, because that is how we are going to get this thing to grow. So I really appreciate everybody tuning in. And like I said, we're, we're worldwide, which is beyond me, which is awesome and absolutely stoked about that. Uh, so I am looking forward to keeping this going. And uh, and the list of guests is even longer than it's ever been. So I am absolutely looking forward to this, uh, getting some more people on here and and talking about their experiences, maybe sharing some knowledge or sharing knowledge for sure. Uh, and including a, a new uh, new kind of series that I want to start. So uh, stay tuned for more. All right, that is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week.